Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co-host back on the 22nd of December 2021 during uh, BBC Radio WM's phone-in. He was there. How are you, John? Hello, I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good cheers, mate. Um, It was nice of the uh, Radio WM to invite us on or you on to uh, their phone in uh, to talk about the Albion and the podcast. So um, <clears throat> a lot to talk about on this episode. We're obviously going to review the Derby game. There's been so many rumours of uh, transfers um, in January. It's getting a bit ridiculous now. So we're going to try and look through all those and decipher through those. We've got a lot of requ- um, a lot of comments to talk about as well via our social media. So um, let's get stuck in. Play Derby. We're recording this on, uh, I think it's Tuesday the 28th. Um, so de- last night we brought, yesterday we played Derby. Lost 1-0. Uh, very disappointing game. Uh, what did you make of it? Um, I think that uh, we've got quite clearly got players who are not performing very well at all. Um, uh, for me, I'd sort of I'd pick out Johnston had an absolutely shocking uh, performance. That that the goal is just a joke. Just quite frankly, embarrassing for a, for a, any level of football to yeah. concede that sort of goal. Um, and for me, Johnston was the one at fault because he was the one that was facing in the correct direction um, and should have been. I've taught goalkeepers from all my life. They've been taught goalkeepers to just if you come in, come and clear everything out and get rid of the ball. Yeah, you didn't do that. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, Livermore was pretty poor, pretty out, pretty anonymous as usual. Um, I think uh, our forwards were awful. Finishing was terrible. Um, I think we created enough to win the game and didn't win it because we haven't got a centre forward or a striker who can score a goal. Um, but uh, other than that. Um, you know, it's a bit like Groundhog Day, really. We're, we're creating chances and not scoring goals. Um, we're, but we've started to concede stupid goals now. Um, I think, for me, uh, defensively, we were very solid up until the point when we just completely collapsed in that in that one second, in that one moment. So there are some positives. Uh, but I think generally it's a pretty terrible uh, result, obviously, to lose to bottom of the league. Uh, after dominating them all game. Um, so, yeah, not exactly positive. I don't want to make this podcast redundant, uh, but we do need to talk about Valerian Ishmael. But what I want to do is focus on the, on the Derby game first and then we'll we'll talk about him again. I know we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, but it's just a hot topic at the moment <clears throat> amongst Albion fans. Yeah, in terms of the game, it was very disappointing. I agree with you about Johnston. I mean, Kipre... He's he's got the in my opinion he's got the whole situation under control and for absolutely no reason Johnston just makes a beeline to the ball and then stops so keeper is in this horrible position you know I suppose you could say he could have just you know put it into row Z but he doesn't know what's going to do what he's going to do and Johnston should have been more dominating and this just goes back to what people have said throughout the season and throughout his time at the Albion he's not as good as this reputation of being in England's national makes out. And if we were to get rid of him in January, if we were to sell him, it wouldn't be a huge loss as long as we can get someone half decent to replace him. Agreed. I've, I've, I 
to be honest with you, I, I tweeted uh, after the, immediately after the game that, uh, or sorry, I didn't tweet. I think I commented on some some media, some social media that you know, if he wanted to sign, he'd sign by now. And if he's putting in performances like this now, he's starting to cost us points. So I would be very happy to see him leave in January. To be completely honest with you, yeah. Um, you like you said the the finishing was awful. Um, I know Callum Robinson had a, a good chance. Hugel missed a sitter, but what's new? <laughs> when does he ever actually do anything else? Um, <clears throat> we, we're going we're gonna to have to, I think, move on to Ishmael because you know I think these this this performance and and what the discussion is around him goes hand in hand. Um, I'm just going to say what I feel first. I, I, I know you'll probably have a different point of view, but I think the team selection was poor again. Um, no Taylor Gardner Hickman. He plays Jason Malumbi instead. Obviously, Mowat and Grant both uh, uh, tested positive for COVID. Matt Phillips and Dara O'Shea, obviously, long term injuries, especially Dara O'Shea. But I think there's news he might be coming back sooner rather than later, which is great news. Um, but yeah, so plays Jason Malumbi. Uh, next to Livermore in semi-field, which I, I'm disappointed by uh, the or that and also uh, Darnell Furlong uh, playing and uh, no Taylor Gordon Hickman. Adam Reach at left wing, I think it's a really odd decision. Um, and it, it just goes back to, the, I suppose, the the, the stubbornness, uh, you know, of the, having to constantly persist with this 3-4-3, constantly persist with players who are underperforming and then you know, then getting frustrated that the same thing keeps happening, even though he's not changed anything. At the end of the day, the points the points that I agree with are um, that the team selection was disappointing. I think the issue is, is when you've got Moat out, uh, that means that Taylor Gardner-Hickman can't be in two positions at once because I think he should replace both Furlong and Livermore, potentially. Uh-huh. Um, so you can't have him in, in two positions, uh, but to not have him on the pitch at all, uh, is very very disappointing because he's been he's showed again when he came on that he was probably the he was probably the best player on the pitch along with Fellows. Yeah. Um, Fellows looks exciting to me. That was it was nice to actually see more of him um, because he only got a real cameo uh, in again I think it was against Barnsley had a real cameo. Um, so he looks positive. There's a lot of positives I think from our young players, but obviously the player the, the manager has to actually play them. Um, yeah. I am. Um, I mean, I actually, funny enough, I put a tweet out uh, on Twitter, obviously, um, where I was sort of reacting basically because immediately after the game, the first thing I did was I looked at the WBA hashtag to see what the general consensus was, uh, like I always do, um, and very, very mixed, really. A lot of people were just saying it's time for him to go. Ishmael's got to go. He's not. He's, he's similar to what you said, really, too stubborn, um, not. Not changing tactics. Yeah. Not changing tactics during the game. Not changing tactics before the game. Poor team selection. Persisting with players who he, he then lambasts after the game because we'll talk about what he said after the game. Yeah. Um, you know, all points. Uh, and what I said essentially, you know, in reaction to that, I said there's a lot of sense being spoken on Twitter tonight. I agree with a lot of it, but I still maintain sacking another manager isn't the answer. There is a future in Valball. I look at the defensive record and I think how else would we survive in the Premier Team Premier League long term? So, I think one criticism which I've seen levelled at, at him constantly is people say that he's not improved anybody in the team. I would argue, I would categorically, categorically argue against that. 
Um, I think our defence has generally been phenomenal all season. Um, and I think if it wasn't for a total brain fart by Sam Johnston, we would have got a point nil-nil, clean sheet, another clean sheet. So um, he's he has improved our team because he has improved on a defence which was shocking, absolutely abysmal uh, under the last two managers. Um, so that's one I think I don't agree with. Um, but in general, um, I think we are never going to be successful in the championship or because I think the thing that has perpetuated this yo-yo is perhaps that we didn't, we haven't wised up a little bit to what the Premier League is um, and what we need to do to survive in the Premier League, which is, unfortunately, until we get a backing, a man, an owner which wants to back us, who wants to back us, we are always going to have to play defensive style of defence first um, methodology in the Premier League. Um, so assuming we can get to the Premier League, I think Val gives us the best opportunity to stay there. Um, out of the last four managers that we've had. Uh, so I'm looking at it. So, that, well, you know, the long and short of it is I think it's more of a long-term project than just this season. Um, I don't think that the squad is... Uh, I don't like the players that we've got. Uh, I don't think they're putting in the effort. Um, I think they are... They're undermining the manager considerably because they're just simply not doing the simple things. I mean, Callum, Callum Robinson had a one-on-one. He missed it. Hugh Glad had missed a sitter. You know, the manager, whilst I can understand why people would be frustrated because they would say, well, why did you keep picking them? If, if, they, if they're not good enough, why are you picking them? Um, and I do, I do, I can see that point, that point of view. I think in general, you have to sort of accept the fact that if you've got senior professionals, they should be able to score a one-on-one if they're a striker. Um, so he, it's not his fault. It's not 100% his fault that Callum Robinson missed a one-on-one and that Jordan Hugo missed a sitter. Uh, but some of the good responses to my tweets, uh, one was by Monk, at Monko5WBA. I'm with Val, these senior pros, the likes of Livermore, have seen off many managers now. This group of players haven't performed since the pandemic began. We must overhaul the players rather than the manager. That being said, Ishmael needs to back up his comments from yesterday's post-match. I agree with that. That's about where I am, really, in that um, they haven't performed for a long, long time. Um and I think he's right since the pandemic began, really. And I think uh, I would prefer an overhaul of the players, but I just, I, it's whether or not we've got the money, you know, the, the money to sort of do that, really, I suppose. Um, Val has a clear footballing philosophy. This is John Hughes, 82, at, under, at John underscore Hughes, 82. Val has a clear footballing philosophy. Albion's decision makers would have known this when appointing him. It's beginning to look very clear to me that this squad isn't able to play Val's way. The board either need to back him and bring in his players or get rid of him now. That is exactly correct. If if the if the plan isn't to uh, support Val financially, then there's no point in having him as the manager because he's not going to be able to get what he needs out of these players. They're not professional enough to play uh, the correct style of football for him. They're not professional enough to play for us as fan base and to get the best uh, to just do their best, basically, they're not interested. They want to. They want to play a specific way, and they want to do things their own way. So, if if that's obviously Val's not going to do, not going to allow that to happen. So, if they're not going to back him, they need to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, and I suppose just for a converse, a, a sort of a sort of somebody didn't agree with me, and that was at Matt Wilkes at Matt Wilkes. Uh, Val will be useless in the Premier League without being able to adapt in-game. You can't just play the same tactic for 90 minutes week in, week out. We will be ripped apart. I think where I where I disagree with that 
is I think I truly believe the reason why he's playing the same style every single week is because I don't think he thinks the squad's good enough to play any other way or can play any other way. He hasn't got the players, in my opinion, to do what he wants to do, which is I've said since I've said for a long time now, and I keep sound like a broken record. Um, we require a number 10 to play a different style of football. Uh, when teams sit back against us, we need somebody who's capable of breaking the opposition down. We should have that with Dean Garner, with Robinson, with Grant, with Mowat, but they're not. They're not. They're obviously not the players that we thought they were. Um, so we need we need a Pereira type, um, as well as a centre forward. We need somebody who can put the ball in the net, and we need somebody who can who can, can keep the ball up the up the pitch in the opposition's last final third, and just keep knocking on the door. Um, so that was a that was a sort of a spread of, of people who had responded. There were a lot. There was a really significant response to that tweet. So I haven't been able to read out everybody's response, but I think generally it was those three tweets pretty much encapsulate what people think about him. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I agree with a lot of it. It's, and it's you speaking sense, but some of it I don't agree, and I'm still thinking speaking sense. It's a really tough. It's a quite a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're both. You know, we can both see either side of the argument i mean i'm i you know on the last episode i was quite angry um and i was you know calling for ishmael to be out i i still don't think he's the right man for the job i'm going to explain why in a second but i don't think he's the right man for the job but i think it's too late now i think january is round the corner there's no point getting rid of him um because you're not going to get somebody in time to then get their play the players they need in January. It's 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 too late now. But in terms of Ishmael, and like I said, I want to counter some of the things you said. And look, I understand that you're not Valerian Ishmael. So it's it must be difficult for you because you're one of the very few that are still trying to defend him. So you must be I don't feel think, like I don't think I don't I, Mike, I don't I don't believe that I am I am that much of a minority. I think people generally actually from my the from the responses that I've seen aren't Val out. I think they're disgusted with the players. Well, I'd, I'd say on, on my side of things, then from the post that I put out, which I basically said, I think this is probably what everyone is thinking. What would you like to see the club do with regards to Val? And it was a sack him now, b see if January signings make the difference, c give him till the end of the season, or d other. I'd say probably eighty percent were Val out, sack him now. Um, I'm I'm very much I think in in the B camp now in terms of see if the January signs make a difference. Now, in so, terms, just, so just 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 to sort of ask you a question then, if you're a Val out sort of chip person, yeah. Um, if we were to sack him now, uh, we're basically spending the transfer budget to sack that's, him. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I've just said we might as well wait till the end of January because there's no point now. All of our money would go on sacking Val. It's too late in the day that no manager is going to be able to come in and get the players that he needs in time. So for me, you may as well just keep him now because it's it's too far gone. A week ago, I was Val out because I thought, well, you know, we could get rid of him, get somebody else in, get the planning made and, and try and get something somebody in, in January. People make a good point. We should never give him a four-year contract because he's going to cost millions to get rid of after paying two million to get him off Barnsley in the first place. So, but going back to your point in terms of our defensive record, yes, it is impressive, but look at the team we're playing. We are playing with essentially what six, seven, or seven, seven players. Four strikers. Who, well, seven players. Adam Reach isn't a striker. No, seven but when players. we when we play our when we play our full strength side, who are the four players? We play four strikers. No, but what I'm going to say is though, 
the rest of the team is defensive. You look, you look at our defense. We've got three centre halves. We've got two full backs because Connor Townsend and Darnell Furlongs are full backs. Jake Livermore is a defensive midfielder, and then you've got Sam Johnston in goal. You've got seven players there that are defensive minded. That are, are basically their main job is to keep the ball out of the net because Connor, Connor Townsend's quite good going forward, but Darnell Furlong, he's been awful recently. So yeah. Yeah, you know, Donna Furlong you, has been terrible. Should never, shouldn't be playing. It's to be honest with you, he's he's, he's just. And then you say, you know, so for me, yes, we are doing well, very well, better defensively. But because we're playing so such a defensive formation, we're playing such a formation that, you know, we're basically playing five at the back when we haven't got the ball. You look at the team selection. Now, for me, I would agree with everybody. What what people are saying, it's the players that are the problem, and you know, it's people been at the club for way too long and seen a ton of manager managers off. But he's still playing them in place of people like Taylor Gardner-Hickman, people like Tom Fellows, who probably would be more, you know, adaptable and more willing to listen to his ideas. But instead, he goes back to the old guard, which we're all saying is the problem. But yet Val is almost on their team. He's almost on that side of the old guard because whenever, whenever the opportunity arises, he plays them, you know, over and above players that are outperforming them. So for me... I would agree with you. And, I'd, you know, if, if if I was coming out and he was playing Reyes Cleary up front and he was playing Tom Fellows, Taylor Gardner Hickman, all the youngsters, because basically he was saying, this, you know, the, the older players, the more established players aren't binding to my ideas. I'm being undermined left, right and centre. I think every Albion fan would cut him some slack and say, yes, if the players are the problem, we need to get this transfer window over and done with and try and get as many out as possible and buy into Val's um you know, Val's style of play, Val's philosophy. But instead, he's not doing that. He's playing, you know, other people who are undermining him. Unfortunately, he just makes himself constantly look incompetent. He doesn't ever adapt. It's always the same thing. It's always, you know, 3-4-3, three, three, no matter who's fit or not, we're going to play 3-4-3. Three, three. We're going to... Um, we're going to bring Hugel on after 60 minutes, whether we're 1-0 up, 1-0 down, or 7-0, you know, up, because that's... He does every game, even though Hugel couldn't hit a barn door. I'd rather Boilerman got a game than, than Jordan Hugel. And at the end of the day, it's the same thing over and over again. He is not adaptable, and that is his main problem. He's, in my opinion, he comes across as arrogant, which I've said before, and it's like, no, it's my way or the highway. This is going to work. This is going to work. And it is not working. I, I was thinking about it earlier, and it's like being on the M6, driving down the M6, and all the signs start saying, Traffic ahead, two-hour delay. I know most people would go, oh, I'll get off on this next junction, then I'll, I'll find a route around. I feel like Vlaine Ishmael would just sit in two hours of traffic just to be like, no, I am going this way. And this, that's, the, that's the problem we've got. He is not adaptable. And until he becomes adaptable, he's not the right man for the job. I don't think the squad's adaptable. I think the squad's low-quality, poor players. Uh, and they've shown off. They've seen off four managers now. Um, and each manager had a different way of playing, and they were all unsuccessful uh, with a lot of these players. So I think the players are just not good enough. The first point that you raised was relating to having seven defensive-minded players. Uh, I think when you're playing four strikers, you need seven players to defend. Um, He's not playing them in striker positions, though, is he? Well, he is playing them attacking attacking midfielders. Yeah, Moet's not. Moet's next to Livermore. 
It's four. I'm talking about this. this he's playing. So he's, he's playing three four three, right? Yeah. You've got Moat, who's more of the attacking midfielder. So yeah, fair enough. He's not a striker. Three strikers. You're playing three strikers. And you need, therefore, you need more defensive-minded players. That's my challenge to that. Second one is to, to actually implement what you're talking about, where he just comes out, says, all the players that I've got at the club are a load of rubbish, and I'm going to play the kids instead, does one of two things. One, it completely destroys the value of those players uh, in a transfer. So you can't sell them. You're not going to get what you want from in a transfer, are you? Because the opposition, the you know, the other counterparty in that transaction is going to know that you don't want the player. And number two, uh, you're basically going to war with your own dressing room. Um, how, how can that possibly turn out well for one man? You know, he's just he's he's, he's yes, he's the boss, and I actually respect this about him in the the fact that he he is he is essentially telling everybody, including the board of directors, that these players are not good enough, which we all can see, we all know that. Um, I suppose the challenge, the counterpoint, and people will say that he should be he should be able to find a way of being successful with these players. But do you know what? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't want it. Maybe he wants it. You know what I mean? These are these players. Yeah, yeah. Are not- but can you see the contradiction in what you just said, though? So you're saying on the one side, you know, um, he doesn't want to go to war with the dressing room. He doesn't want to devalue the players, so he has to play them, and he has to. But then after the game, he's absolutely hammering them. No, he's telling them that they need to they need to perform better. That is exactly what a manager does. That is exactly what a leader does. He doesn't just sit there and say, oh, do you know what? You've done really, really well, guys. I love the effort. When they've been a load of rubbish and they've put no effort in. I think, I think a leader does but if do you that. Just, if you just, if you, but if you just say, my players are all rubbish, I'm going to play the kids and get rid of this lot. You know, they're a load of crap. I, I, thought, I can't, can't work with them. They're rubbish. He just sticks them in the reserves. He's, going, he's causing a huge problem for himself because all those players are going to get into their clique and they're very powerful footballers are nowadays, as you well know. You can't just sideline a footballer and move them up. We've tried that before. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. I think he's in, he's in a rock and a hard place. He's, he's, he's operating in a transfer window system. He wasn't backed in the summer. He's had some really poor players come through the door in the summer. Now we know that he isn't the only person who's making decisions about footballers. He's got, he's, there's other, this is a transfer committee. So he isn't completely blameless, but he's not 100% to blame either for the players that we brought in. But you can't, you can't, you can't legislate for the for the likes of Callum Robinson missing being being too poor for us when he can swan off to Ireland and and bang three goals every single game, and then he comes back and he wants to do wants to behave like he can't even see where the goal is. You can't legislate for these things. He's been, in my opinion, the long and the short of it is he's been badly let down by senior professionals who should know better and do better and they're just not doing it, whether or not it's because they can't or be whether or not it's because they don't want to. Either way, he's being let down. I don't I don't think it's a case that they can't. A big chunk of this team got promoted two years ago. Whether it was, you know, I mean, it was a, a to say we stumbled over the line would be an understatement. But we got promoted with this majority of this team. Yes, we haven't got Pereira. Um, it was a big miss, but the majority of the team we got promoted with. So they can do it. In my opinion, though, he's, you know, and you can blame the players and I can understand where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, they are our players. They are what we have got currently. And I'm sorry, but you, he must have known when he got the job, he must have been told that it was going to be a limited budget. So he knew he was going to have to work with the majority of these players. He wasn't, we weren't going to come in and turn the team over in, in, the, in the summer. Yes, it was very disappointing. I'm not trying to defend the owners. Not, it's not right. But he must have known, unless they, like I said, they blatantly lied to him and said, "Yeah, we've got 50 million in the kitty." And then when he signed his contract, it was like, "Actually, we've got nothing." 
he knew how to work with these players. So I don't understand how he can get the job, you know, accept the job because he was at Barnsley, he wasn't out of work, and then come in and be like, well, all these players are crap. I, I can't work with this. So I need, I need better players. And it's like, well, hang on, how, which one is it? Hang on, Mike. Hang on, Mike. How is he? How does he know what the players are going to react? How the players are going to react to him and his tactics before he joins the club? No, he I understand that. Yes, that's a good point. I understand what you're saying. Yes, but he so knew the, what type of players they were. He knew, you know, yeah. their qualities, where their qualities you, lied. Yeah, you look at their you look at their reputations. They should be able to play this 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 style of football in their sleep. So what? Not difficult. What, what striker did we have? So we're playing two wide: Diagana and Grant. We, we, where, where, where was the central striker who was going to when we crossed it in going to score headers? Because we didn't have an aerial striker, but we quite clearly need one. Jordan Hugel. Supposed to be a centre-forward. Supposed to be a centre-forward. <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to be a centre-forward, and he's in debt. He's inept. He's been let, he's letting down everybody. Along with Zahora, he's supposed to be a centre-forward. He's letting down everybody. The yeah. players, are, once again, players are getting off scot-free, and everybody's going after Ishmael. I'll, honestly, I would back Ishmael over this entire squad, bar about three players, because I've watched them fail for ages, for yeah. seasons. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick and tired of them of them having all the power and basically turfing out any manager they want who winds them gets gets under their, gets on their nerves or expects them to do something different outside their comfort zone. And they're just able to turf them out and get the easy life and pick up their 30, 40, 50, 60,000 pounds a week for doing the minimum. I don't think that's acceptable. Yeah, that's a great to disagree. And let's uh, let's talk about his post-match comments now because they were pretty telling, to be fair. So the first thing I want to say is um, this comes from uh, Ben Ramsdale, which I, I, I you know I don't know, but I presume he's a um, a journalist, uh, part of the press, uh, and he's tweeted from his personal account. It's at Ben A Ramsdale, um, and he basically said a very intense press conference from Valerian Ismail. Was repeatedly sorry. Who repeatedly slammed the desk when answering questions from journalists in attendance? Haven't seen him this angry before. Hashtag WBA. Hashtag Baggy. So he's obviously very angry. You can tell after the, you know his post-match comments on WBA.co.uk. Um, he was I get angry. the impression. I get the impression he feels like me. Yeah, I get the impression he does, John. So um, let's. So the, the the best article I found was from the Birmingham Mail, and they asked some quite poignant questions. So just bear with me; I'm going to read through it because I think, it, it, like I said, it was a good interview. So, you spoke of Albion being like a broken record after Barnsley. The frustration must be mounting after that. Uh, and Ismail said, "It's more than frustration. I'm really upset. There was a lack of mentality and quality from the first minute. It's all about desire. When you have the chance of a top two spot, you need to show it from the first minute." Derby didn't shoot once at goal again, and we made the mistake. The goal we conceded was embarrassing and ridiculous. It's not enough. The mentality was not right from the game. You need to show the winning mentality. Last week at Barnsley, it was missed chances. Tonight again, we missed the chance again to jump to where we want to be. We deserve to be where we are at the minute. We want to change this, but the players have to take responsibility for their own performance. It's not enough. As simple as that. We have many more chance. Sorry, we have many more many chances to score. I have to tell the truth. We can't say the same melody every week. Yes, we played well. Yes, we created chances. But at some point, we have to find the killer mentality, the lion mentality, to win games. And then the interviewer said it was a calamitous goal to concede. Who do you attribute the blame to? And then uh, Val said, it's not the first time this year. At the minute, we still have the best defence in the league, but that's the seventh time this season we've conceded a goal like that and we haven't scored enough goals. So, so you exactly see the issue at the minute. 
Uh, we need to score more goals. We have to wake up. The players need to ask where they want to be in a year, two years. What do they want to do? Why do they want to do the job? The only positive today is the young lads came on and showed exactly what we want. Get to the line, create chances, but it wasn't enough. Um, and then he was asked, have you relayed this to the players after the game? He said, I spoke to the players like that straight, after, straight away after. At some point, I have to tell the truth. I'll protect them if they do the right things. But this was not enough. Everyone in this stadium saw tonight that it was not enough. We can't pretend it was enough to hit the top two. It's the same picture. You follow us. You know it's the same picture week in, week out. We play well. We put in crosses. We have dangerous situations and we don't score a goal. The problem is the players need to wake up and understand we can't continue like that. This was a chance to jump higher. You won't have many chances to make a jump like that into the top two. So we deserve to be where we are. The players were disappointed and upset about losing, but at some point you have to tell the truth, speak and say how things are at the moment. And then finally, losing Carl and Alex can't have been helpful. And then he said, COVID is here. We deal with it. Against Reading, we missed four players. We only missed two due to COVID. I don't want to make any excuses or complain. We had enough quality in the squad. Uh, the transfer window is almost upon us, yes, but again, I don't want to hide behind the transfer window. The game was tonight, the chance was tonight. Strong words, um, obviously very angry. I mean, you know, like I said um, at the start, that tweet uh, from Ben Ramsdale saying that he's, you know, he's slamming the desk as he's talking and answering questions. He's obviously very frustrated. Um, you know, I, we're all looking towards January and... Obviously, we're going to talk about Daryl DK in a minute because there's been a lot of talk about him. Um, do I think he's the answer to all of our problems? No. I've looked on YouTube. He's a very good striker. You know, he, he leads the line well. He's big. He's strong. He's good in the air. He looks everything that we need. But is it enough? Is that one player enough? In my opinion, I think we need at least two or three. But anyway, what did you make of what he said? Agree with him. I agree with him implicitly. I hadn't even read that before it's a good um, interview and, wasn't it and uh i agree with him completely agree with him there is enough quality within the squad to beat anybody in this division and they're not they're not showing it it's just he's bang on and actually do you know what it's a, it's refreshing to hear it because i think these players have needed to hear it for about five years some of them yeah i think um it's, it's a difficult situation at the end of the day one point out of the bottom two whether derby you know, are there because they deserve to be or because of what's happening off the field is different. But at the end of the day, we've got one point and, Bar and Derby have got four points out of us this season. Um, you know, and they've had to they throw are. a team together. Well, they have to throw a team together, though, haven't they? Yeah, they're, they're a bo they're, but they're our bogey team. You know, we all, we all, we always do badly against Derby, it seems to me. But yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not making any excuses. There's, like I said at the start, there are things that I agree with. You know, you shouldn't be picking some of these players. And if he's getting that angry, perhaps it's finally dawning on him. The point is, you know, is yes, he keeps picking these players and he keeps picking, you know, but you have to give them the opportunity to, to, to take on board what you've coached. So if you work with them all week, Monday to, to Friday, you know, you put them in, they don't play well. So you say, right, there's some things we need to work on in training this week, but you want to keep their confidence high. So you say, you know, good effort. I like what you did there. Perhaps we could work on this. You work on it. 
Thursday, Friday, they start to do exactly, you know, it start, looks like it's set, it's set in and they're, they're doing what they, you've asked them to do. You pick them on a Saturday and then they just revert to type and they're just not doing what you ask them to expect them to do. You know, you have to give people chances because at the end of the day, he's got to work with these players at least until January and more likely at least until the summer because he knows the way the club operates. But eventually, it's quite clearly dawning on him that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And some of these players just aren't, are just letting him down. Um, and I think that that whole that whole that whole very very obvious interview is him basically saying, "I don't think you're good enough, and you're not showing me that you're good enough. So you either need to improve or or get out of my face." So do you do you think the penny's finally dropped? Because from that interview, you know, he even complimented the younger players, saying they're doing what he's asking them to do. So in my opinion, you've got to be looking at Tom Fellows and Taylor Gardner Hickman. If not starting the next game, if it was me, I want them to start, but playing a much more prominent role in these games because he is saying on interviews that the players are not doing what he's asking them to do, but the young players are. So for me, Taylor Garden Hickman, Tom Fellows need to be starting games because what is the point in having players who are not going to buy in your philosophy? I don't know. Yeah. So I think for me, mate, um, you've got to back up what he said in that interview now. You're exactly right because it's all well and good punching tables and shouting and bawling and saying this and that. But I think the point is, is have you learned? Have you le- what yeah, have you exactly. actually learned yeah. what you've you know from this experience? Are you going to now say right, okay, whoever you've identified as the problem, and there may be multiple of them, you're not giving me much to work with here. You're going to cost me my job. You're costing me my job every single week. I'm sorry, but I, I know that this isn't what you want to hear, but I just can't trust you to to, to, to play in my team. Yeah. And he has to start looking for in, in more unusual places for players. Wayne Rooney beat us using his under-23s almost exclusively. That's what Derby have had to do. They've got to supplement their under-23s with old free transfers, and they beat oh. us. And I said after the game, use our under-23s. There's quite obviously very, very talented footballers there and they want to play. They want their chance. So use them. I agree. They, but it has to show. If if not next week, because I suppose, again, he's in this perpetual of, I've got to give him a chance to take on board what I've what I've said. So he's what, trying what something. At what point do you, do you cut? Do I, hope, I, I think after this, if they don't improve after this, that's it. They'll be gone. It has to have to be because I think he'll be gone if they don't improve. Yeah, because that, that's a good argument. It was something I was going to mention earlier. You know, you look at Wayne Rooney and what he's doing at Derby. They've had no money, literally no money. They've had to sign whoever they could. And he is getting them to play football for him. You know, I think had they not had the sanctions they had, I think they wouldn't be near the playoffs. It's about desire, though, isn't it, Mike? But, if you, if you're... but why can't he instill, why can't Val instill that same desire? Because we can't because... keep saying it's the lack of budget when people like players like, no. play, you know, players like Derby. Agreed. Oh, but it's about desire. So it's just the player's attitude. They, I don't think they want to play. I don't think they have any desire to play for him. They just don't want to do it. They don't want to play his way. They don't like it. And they they perceive, presumably, they perceive themselves to be bigger than, than, than us because they think, well, we can go, I'm going to get a job anywhere. If What 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 Wayne Mooney's got there is like a ragtag army. So he's got like an old of old ex-pros. This is their last chance. You know, this is the last dance. So they need to really, really do something with it or not. And then he's supplementing it with players who are desperate to become pros, to establish themselves as professional footballers. So they're going to listen to every single thing he says. 
But I, would, I, I would prefer to have players like that. I would well, prefer we, to have players. I agree. You know that they're desperate to play for the club. We've all said that all along. We don't want world class players. Well, speaking for myself, I don't want world class players. I want players who care. I want players who turn up at the Albion. Like we had under Megson, Andy Johnson, Paul Robinson, Darren Moore, Phil Gilchrist, Igor Ballis, Neil Clement. I could go on all day. Derek McInnes. We had players that cared about West Brom and fought, and that's all I want as a fan. Yeah, but. He's, he's trying to work with with what our established professionals who have really really excellent um, reputations, and they're just not doing it. They are letting him down. So you have you the, the long and the short of it is, after an interview like that, what do you do? Do you a give them the give the players the chance to show that they have now taken on board what you've said, or do you b go right? That's it. Now you don't. I would, I, I, I would for me. I would say, if you only want to do it for one game. I would drop as many first team as many as these established stars as possible and play U team players to show them they are not undroppable, to show that we have other options. If you want to bring them back after the game after because their attitude is different, the training's different, fair enough. But at the end of the day, if this is a power struggle, which it looks like it is, because you are very correct in what you've said the entire time we've done this podcast, and from his interviews, it's quite evident there's a power struggle happening. He needs to show that he is the manager, he is the boss. And the only way you're going to do that is by dropping players who have been underperforming consistently this entire season and playing them with players who desperately want to play and are trying to buy into his slot philosophy agreed because when we when they did buy into his philosophy we were beating teams four or five nil exactly. yeah so anyway let's let's move on to transfers because we could talk about this all day we don't want to a five-hour podcast so there's been a lot of talk first one to talk about daryl dk um there was a uh, a couple of interesting tweets put out the first one was from joseph massey which i believe is for the express and star um yep. And he said, it's my understanding Albion moving heaven and earth to sign Daryl DK next month with a striker, their primary target. Still work to be done, but will be a major coup if they can pull it off. Albion not expected to do any other significant business in Jan if DK arrives. Hashtag WBA. And then the other one was from John Percy uh, for The Telegraph. And he said, hashtag WBA in talks with Orlando City to sign Daryl DK on loan for the season from January with a view to a permanent move. Negotiation continuing, but Ishmael is hopeful of bringing him in after DK impressed at Barnsley. Now, I believe there's a host of other clubs that are interested. Uh, I believe Everton, Crystal Palace, I've heard mentioned. Um, there's quite a few other teams that have, have, have been, you know, Premier League teams that have been interested in him. Don't be wrong. Like I said earlier, saw him, seen you know, clips on YouTube. Obviously, I didn't follow Barnes last season, uh, but looks like a big, powerful striker can score goals, can you know lead the line, everything that we need in a striker. But will he be enough to turn our fortunes around? How can you answer a question like that with any certainty? <laughs> I think you you can say what, what do you, you think? think. Yeah, what do you I think? well, you, I, I believe. He would go a long, long way if he's if he's the player that we all think he is, which is basically like a baby Lukaku, right? This yeah. is what we're, we're all thinking from him. Big, if he's big, powerful, quick, can finish, then essentially he's he's like what what Lukaku was when he came to us. If we have the opportunity to sign a player like that, I don't care. He, we have to sign him. If yeah, he is that if, yeah. if he is that good, he must come through the door because he can't pass up keep passing up players like this, like that all the time. So, um, yeah, was, but is he enough? I, I floated this exact idea myself. I think we've got 
serious problem. I think we've got problems at the back. I think, you know, we're, we're having to play players out of position at the back. We need a new goalkeeper because our goalkeeper just seemingly doesn't want to play for us. We've got, we need a replacement for Livermore and we need a replacement for Callum Robinson and we probably need a replacement for Dean Garner. So I reckon we need about six or seven players. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to, you know, if, if he's the only piece of business and he's as good as we think he is, then I'm, I'd be more than happy with that. Because we haven't had a centre forward since Lukaku that was a, that was any good. I mean, Rondon scored a few goals in fits and starts, but he was mm. he was long. Very it was good for a, you know half a season, wasn't it? But I think the best, you know, the the true centre forward, the, the the game changer that we had was Lukaku, and since then we've had a few players who were all right, but n- nowhere near that level. Yeah, I think yes, you're right. Having someone like who is quality, Daryl DK's quality, is going to improve us massively. He's a finisher, and we desperately need a finisher. You know, it, it's paramount. It's it's embarrassing how much we need a finisher. Some of the but, goals he was scoring in, in that compilation, he had no right to score them either. No, like he, he, was he bullied, his, bullied his way past defenders. You know, he, which is exactly he saw, yeah. You, you'd probably see. Sorry to interrupt you. We see probably people like Dean Garner, Grant improve because they actually have somebody up front in front of them who can hold the ball up. No, I was just, I was just going to say like you shouldn't have ever pass up players of that quality. Like, no. Especially if they, if if you've got a trump card, like i.e. you've got a manager who what he wants to work with. That's how we got Lukaku. The only reason we got Lukaku is because we had Steve Clark. Yeah, yeah The only reason we, the only reason we're going to get Daryl DK is because we've got Valerian Ishmael. Yeah, you put out a really interesting tweet about this. You put a poll out, didn't you? Um, and then just to read the tweet out, you said, "Just when you think you're done for Xmas, because this was before Christmas, they pull you back in." So the so the baggy, sorry. So then, baggies. If you can only have one, which one do you prefer? And it was Dwight Gale, and it was Daryl DK. Massive uh, response, and it was hugely. Everyone wants Daryl DK. Eighty-one percent. Look, I agree with you. At the end of the day, Dwight Gale, good goal scorer, but he's thirty-two. He's going to command a fee. How much we're going to be able to, you know, utilize him after this season? I'm not sure because he's never been prolific in the in the Premier League. Whereas Daryl DK, 21, he's got so much time to improve, so much time, you know, to add value because he could, you know, become a great player and we could sell him for a lot more than we paid for him. It's a no-brainer for me. We've got to go for Daryl DK. And, yeah, I agree. Even if he doesn't doesn't make the huge difference that we hope he will, he's a player that's going to improve and, and, and he's a player that we should be looking to sign. If he's as good as he looks on these goal compilations, he would, he will, he will... Well, if we can buy him, I actually think we could. He may, he may be the closest thing. You know, if he if he's good, good now and he's twenty one, potentially he could be by the time he's twenty five, twenty six. He could be. He could be. Yeah, he could be that level. He could be one of the top players potentially. Well, one of the top players in the Premier League. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, if we've got the opportunity to sign him now on, with a loan to a permanent transfer for about 14 million quid in the summer, it's just a no-brainer. It's an mm. absolute no-brainer. Absolutely. Um, and if we get promoted and he comes and he scores goals in the Premier League, that's something that we we haven't had for nine years, ten years. So it's absolutely the right thing to do. And if you can get a player for 14 million quid who's going to score you 20 goals in the Premier League, that's worth they're worth 60, 70 million pounds in today's market. It's just a no-brainer. However, the reason why I asked the question about Dwight Gale is because I believe Dwight Gale is probably a slot. I feel like Dwight Gale is a more realistic transfer for us. He's a more I'll be honest with you. I'd imagine. I'm, I'm going to come out with it and I'm going to say that 
if the likes of Everton Wolves, those guys are interested in Daryl DK, he's and his agent is it has anything to has any any sway over him whatsoever. I just can't see him coming to the Albion. I just no. can't see it. I think the two things that are in our favour is one, we've gone in early. We're trying to get this done early. And two is the uh, relationship with Val. Those are the two things so, that are in our favour. So that you know, I'm gonna be facetious now, but you can't then say, let's get rid of Val, Val's out, Val out, if he's yeah. the only trump card that's gonna get Daryl DK through. Hence why I've said wait to the end of January. Give him to the end but of I'm January. Talk- I'm no, I know, I know you're talking general. general. I'm just saying that's exactly the, the Daryl DK is the main a big reason why I'm saying let's wait to the end of January. Let's see, let's see what happens. Let's let's give him a month, you know, and oh. then and then I'll I'll be I'll be well on the bandwagon. If we sign if we sign Daryl DK and we're still losing games and we're still underperforming, you know, I'll be back to where I was last week and saying get him out. But I think right now, let's wait and see what happens. I really hope we don't wreck. Uh, a, a good relationship with a really good manager as a fan base over this because if he does if he gets the player he wants in in Daryl DK and he turns it around and we win the league he'll leave <laughs> how on how on earth could you begrudge the bloke saying well first off that it comes through the door through the door that's any good why don't I leave they didn't back me when I was when I was having tough times here so I might as well try it somewhere else and then he goes somewhere else has a load of success and he's a young manager. You know, I'm just saying, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it's something we need to consider, I think, as a fan base, because we keep offing managers like on record record levels. And just every single every single year, it seems like there's just calls for our manager's head. And that he is going to read these things and he is going to see them. And there's so many positives in the way that he he's putting this team together, in my opinion. I do worry about that a little bit. Yeah. That, when he, if he does turn it around, he's going to think, well, I showed you now, didn't I? So, see you later. Yeah, absolutely. I'm conscious that we're coming up to the hour mark. That debate with about Ishmael just took up a good chunk of it. So, let's, um, let's run through some transfers and let's let's talk about them as briefly as we can. Because, like I say, other, people have got other things to do this week, I'd imagine. Um, so... Uh, from The Athletic, we will let Johnston go if the price is right. That comes from Steve Madeley from The Athletic. Uh, no surprise there. See you later. Um, okay, Lukushlu, uh, that's been widely reported. He wants to return to the Albion. Um, absolutely, I think, you know, could spell the end for Livermore, um, and I'd be okay with that. I think, I, I, well, I've said before, I'd quite like to see Livermore as centre half. If we get DK and Lukushlu in the same transfer window in the Championship, it turn our team around. Well, the thing is, mate, is not only is it going to turn our team around this season, it makes next, it makes the summer so much easier because you've just signed a spine. Yeah. You've, you've re-signed. Done, yeah, you've done the work for the Premier League, haven't you? You've re-signed a spine, and all it will leave us needing to do is get a goal, decent goalkeeper in, because you're going to need one in the Premier League. You do need a goalkeeper, right? And yeah. we'd need to get a really, really top level central defender. And if I think if we had. If DK is as good as he th- as we think he is, he's going to be the the, the central striker. Yukushlu is as good as we if we know Yukushlu's a really really solid midfielder. We've got to replace Johnston, fair enough. And then if we can get a, a replacement for Johnston and a replacement for central defender, right, a decent central defender, mid table. Do you know think? Do you think if you sign someone like Yukushlu, um, that that Livermore could be that centre half? I don't think he's big enough. I don't know. I, I, I can see. I, I, I think when he played he, there against, was it Coventry? 
No, I think I think in the I think in the prem a prototypical you want a prototypical central defender. You want a Jonas Olsen height, six foot four, yeah, six yeah. foot five, a uh, big lad who can deal. You can deal with you know you want a, everybody wants a Virgil Van Dijk, don't they? They want a big lad who can play. That's what they said. That's what the central defender is now. Um, maybe, maybe I don't think he's. I don't think he'd be the answer. I think he'd be one of. He'd be. Mm. He'd, he'd do well as one of. But we'd need a. We need a spine. And what I say. What I'm trying to say is, Yukushlu and Daryl DK. If they are. As, if they're as good as we think they are, then they're doing. We're doing a hell of a lot of good business for the prem. Yeah. As well as to get us out of this division, because I think in in that scenario. I think the two main problems we have is scoring goals and the balance within our midfield. And I think Yukushlu addresses the balance within our midfield. And I think DK potentially could fix all of our goal scoring issues as well. Yeah. So I think we've talked uh, about DK and Yukushlu, and I think they're the main big stories at the moment. But what I think is best to do um, for us, really, because there's so many transfer rumours and because, you know, I think the debate of, of Ishmael really is a pressing one and something needs to be discussed at length like we did. Um, we're going to sort of curb the uh, podcast here. We're going to uh, do another podcast very soon, literally in the next week or so, doing a special on uh, transfers. We're going to go and do a deep dive, uh, get our <laughs> get our goggles and snorkel on and do a deep dive into the transfers because I think it, it justifies that. But I, I am conscious and John's conscious. We don't want it to be a three-hour podcast. Um, so... Um, just moving on, uh, like I said, we will talk about the other other stories that have happened and the, and the uh, January transfer window very soon. Uh, but let's just move into our trivia section quickly. So last time I asked you, uh, in 2007 playoff final, West Brom versus Derby, who scored the only goal of the game? John, the answer was? Big Steve Pearson, the bane of, bane of our existence. Oh, the most depressing, one of the most depressing games I've ever seen. Um, oh yeah, bad day, but yeah, it was Stephen Pearson. You're absolutely right. Um, do you remember the train? Do you remember the train home? Oh god, do you remember the train? The home? whole day was just awful. We were all over. Well, <laughs> it sounds like now we're all over. I remember Kevin Phillips hitting the bar, didn't he? And yeah, we had such a good team as well. We had Kumas, Brunty. I think we had Br- no. I think it was just before Brunty came in, we had Robbo, Kevin Phillips. Oh, yeah, it was a real shame that day. But anyway. Um, so my next question for the next podcast, because uh, the Preston North End game has been postponed due to COVID, which was, I think it was the 30th of December. So that's that's been postponed. This Thursday. 29th, coming, 29th sorry. I thought it was a Thursday, but anyway, uh, whatever day it was, that's been postponed. Um, so we're playing Cardiff next on the uh, 2nd of January, I believe. Um, so my question is, on the 29th of March 2014, we scored, we, we drew 3 3 with Cardiff. Now, if people remember this game, this was the one where Pepe Mal was in charge. We, us and Cardiff were struggling to stay up. We, we went 3 2 up on like the 92nd minute or something like that. And then Cardiff scored in like the 95th minute or something ridiculous. It was, I've, I've never known, well, I have known a range of emotions because I've been an Albion fan for the last 20 odd years, but. Yeah, it was it was hard. It was hard to watch. Um, anyway, who scored our goals that day? So who scored the West Brom goals that day? Difficult one, but uh, have a little think and let us know. Um, Twitter, we're up to what now on, on Twitter, John? More people have joined us. So we're actually at exactly 300 followers. Uh, Amazing. Um, and well, we, we appreciate well, you all. We appreciate all of you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's at... 
all things WBAFC if you want to follow on Twitter, isn't it? Correct. And uh, yeah, I think just in general, I think expect more of what we've just talked about. You know, I put out a tweet, I see the, I see the responses, uh, or we will shout you out because I think some of the responses were fantastic. We always get a good yeah. response on our social medias. Uh, so yeah, if you want to be part of part of what we're discussing, then then come and follow me at, at all things WBAFC. And then the same on Facebook. If you search for all things Albion or at all things WBAFC, you will find us on Facebook. I I'm over there, and you know I tell you what, some of the discussions we're having recently. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just like this podcast. There's just two sides to the argument. People who are valid and Val out, Val out. Sorry. So uh, yeah, it's an interesting it's not- one. It's not deliberate, by the way. You know, it's not like we're just we're just taking devil's no, advocate. No, two sides of the argument. No, I I genuinely am. I mean, you know, all of the opinions that I give you are my opinions. Um, yeah. and Mike's exactly the same. But we, what what I think helps when you're forming an opinion is actually hearing what other people think, because quite often with social, what I think social media is really really good for is it gives you the opportunity to hear that other side of the story, doesn't it? And also gives yeah. you the opportunity to hear points of view that you perhaps hadn't even considered. So, um, it's pretty, yeah, come and join us, basically, and we'll, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I think um, we can. Bo- we, we both see both sides of the argument, don't we? we? Obviously, you lean towards Valley and I lean towards Val out, but I think we both see the, the merits in both sides of the argument and both understand them. So, yeah, it's always good to discuss it. Join us on social media. Guys, join us uh, on this podcast, obviously, uh, if you could be kind enough to subscribe on the platform of your choice. Also, you can leave leave us reviews now on Spotify. I believe you can already do that on Google and Apple Podcasts. So wherever you're listening to, if you could just leave us the five-star review, if you think we warrant it, then that would be very kind of you. and We really appreciate it. Um, Finally, if you want to contact us via email, if you don't have social media, you can as well at allthingsalbionpodcast at gmail.com. John, thanks for your time. Really enjoyed this one. It was a really good to have a, a deep dive on Valerian Ishmael and, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, you know, by the time we play Cardiff, DK is either very close to being signed or signed. Uh, but let's see what happens. Like I said, guys. Um, oh, and also, I believe this will probably be our last podcast before the new year. So yeah. I hope you have a very uh, happy new year. Um, I hope you spend it with your friends or family or whoever uh, uh, and have a safe End uh, starting to 2022, and the first thing that will be on my lips when the uh, clock strikes 12, have we signed Daryl DK? <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a lift, so uh, definitely. Yeah, boing boing. Boing boing.